Welcome to the Be Whole Do Good podcast. We're your hosts, Todd and Ashley Marchant, and this show is about strengthening families through whole being health. At a time when there is so much that can distract, discourage, and disconnect us, our family is on a journey that is led by three core questions. What whole being practices can we implement so every member of our family can have increased capacity, save your life more deeply, and use their gifts to do good? How do we translate and apply what we learn into simple, tiny habits that work amidst the demands of life? And how can we use our increased capacity to better care for others in our family, community, and throughout the world? Each month, our family focuses on one core area of whole being health. We take the biggest challenges we're facing in that area, seek out answers and direction, and do all we can to implement what we learn all the while sharing our journey through this podcast so you can learn and grow alongside us. We joyfully invite you and your family to join us on this whole being health journey. Welcome back to the Be Whole Do Good podcast. This month, my family and I are focused on strengthening our physical well-being. Most interviews going forward will be Ashley and I together, but the next three weeks will be interviews I previously recorded before we decided to make the shift of focusing on strengthening families starting with our own. Aligned with our focus on physical well-being this month, for this interview I had the chance to chat with Erica Hornthal. Erica, I was realizing as I was getting ready for the interview today that we actually first connected a couple of years ago and then we had our first chance to actually collaborate together when you spoke at, at our summit last year. And now we're just grateful to have a chance to reconnect and have you on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Why don't I start with uh, at least giving a, a little bit more of an official bio. So Erica is a licensed clinical professional counselor and a board certified dance movement therapist. Uh, what I love though, Erica, is that you're known as the therapist who moves you. And as a part of that, you know, you founded and, and are the CEO of Chicago Dance Therapy. And you even recently published a book called Body Aware. So again, so grateful to have you on. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited for our conversation. And I'm I love talking about movement and mental health. So Yeah. So, am, so tell me, you know, how how did you get into this field of dance therapy? We'll talk more about what that actually is uh here in a minute, but uh, that's not where you started. So, you know, walk us through a little bit of your journey and and what brought you to here. As a professional, uh, I've actually always been a dance movement therapist. I didn't necessarily know that that was my path, mostly because it wasn't, well, it still isn't, mainstreamed. Not a lot of people know what it is. Um, I don't get this question as much, but very early on in my career, people just assumed I made it up or thought that I you know, put two and two together and kind of created my own terminology. I was looking for my purpose, I guess. And um, it was my freshman year of college. I was taking uh, lots of dance classes, mostly because I didn't want to let go of dance. You know, I had seen so many, I think, much more talented dancers than me completely leave dance behind because they felt like it wasn't going to bring them, you know, prosperity, success, money, right? At the very least, put bread on the table. And regardless of my skill set or how, you know, my professional career was going to look, I just knew that if I stopped integrating or using dance in some way, 
I would regret it. And so I, I took this leap and kind of started on the dance major track, knowing that that really wasn't my career. Um, but feeling like it would be a lot easier to enter that way than to try to re-enter later on. So I started on this dance major track and it was really about four to six months into my freshman year that we were meeting with our advisors and the chair of the department. And, you know, we had this candid conversation of what do you really want? Is this where you want to be? Where do you see your career going? And I was completely honest. And I said, the only thing I really enjoy is learning to dance, you know, going across the floor, getting some choreography. I wasn't really into the performance at that point. I really didn't care for lighting and costuming and set design, even though I think it's amazing. And there are extremely talented people that can do that. It's not me. Um, and I felt like I was at this crossroads. What do I say? Like, thank you. Goodbye. Um, knowing that there was no dance minor where I was. And that's when she said the three words I'll never forget dance movement therapy. And, um, the chair of the department said, you should, you should really look at it. We, we don't have that program here. They had a dance in medicine program that they were launching, which has now become an arts and medicine program, but that's different than dance therapy. And so I went back to my dorm room and I did a Google search. I found the American Dance Therapy Association, started doing research and changed my major almost immediately to psychology. I got my bachelor's in psych. And then as soon as I graduated, I was fortunate enough to be accepted to a master's program specifically in dance movement therapy and counseling. So it was um, a pretty direct path once I knew about the field. But I, again, I didn't know about it until it really, it, until I really needed to. Wow. What a gift that that counselor gave to you, that advisor gave to you that day to help yeah. you find, you know, this, this cause and purpose that that's really guided your life. So, so tell us what is dance therapy then uh, for those who aren't familiar? Well, a more traditional definition, um, which is currently actually being reworked, but traditionally the definition has been the psychotherapeutic use of movement to support the integration of an individual's cognition, um, you know, physicality, emotionality, spirituality, and it's this holistic approach to wellness and, and to mental health, right? It's about bringing the mind, body, and spirit um, online and integrating the three, which for all of us, it really is. We're just not always aware of it. So how I like to define dance movement therapy for myself and for my clients is actually focusing more on nonverbal communication. And it's recognizing that when we're going through difficulties or looking to change facets of our lives, talking about it and verbalizing isn't enough. It's not always accessible and it's not always possible. For everyone, depending on their circumstances. And so it's in our best interest to look at all of the communication present. And most of that communication is housed non-verbally. And that's really what dance movement therapy is about. It's about looking at body awareness, non-verbal communication, somatics, embodiment, maybe aspects of dance and creative movement, sometimes improvisational movement, gesturing, posturing, and looking at how that connects, perpetuates, or supports our mental health and our current status or, or um, mental status. Yeah, I love it. And and one of the reasons why I think it's it's resonated. And again, I'm uh, the, I was introduced to this field just a couple of years ago, about the time that I, I had reached out and we had connected. 
But as you know, we focus on whole being health. And so it's very much aligned with the, the vision of your field. Uh, but we emphasize five pillars, spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, and emotional well-being. And so that that connection between uh, our our mind, our body, and our spirit is is very much at the heart of this this approach of whole being health. And I think underlying, it makes total sense to to most of us as we think about the connectivity between our mind and our body. And one of the things you've taught our community before that that has stood out to me is this this recognition that the work we need to do within our mind, the processing you know of of emotions, the changing of harsh self criticism and negative self uh, talk and those types of thought patterns, uh, you know all of those types of things are sometimes very difficult to begin. It can be a difficult process and a difficult change process. But when we realize that there's this strong connection between our mind and our body, it's just there's another tool. There's another tool that we can use to help process those difficult things and to strengthen our mental capacity to engage in the wrestle that we need to. And so I'd I'd love to hear, you know, Erica, to make this a little bit more tangible, are there any, and I, I know obviously you have uh, your privacy agreements in place, but are there any examples that you can give uh, anonymously of, of individuals who you know felt stuck in life or what some of the challenges were that they were experiencing and how starting to pay attention to their movement opened up doors for them in healing and in progress in life? Absolutely. You know, I can even just kind of give a composite idea because this is something that happens Um in different ways, but pretty much across the board with all of my clients. So rather than saying, you know, a specific example, that works perfect. something that I, yeah, yeah. Something that I do with actually, I would say everyone at some point, usually it ends up being the the beginning. It's kind of like our assessment, something very inherent to dance movement therapy is using movement assessments. And it's not to judge movement. Uh, it's to, again, kind of create awareness around the way we move and how our movements are patterned and ingrained and and habitual. So what I have my clients do is engage in these three planes of movement. And so at some point they are, whether they're chair bound or completely mobile, standing up, I've even had people doing this laying down. We want to engage in the vertical, which is really the space above our head and the space, you know, b- below our knees, the horizontal, which is the space kind of across the body and then opening our arms out wide to the side. And then the sagittal space, which is in front of our body and behind us, right? So this kind of wheel action of moving forward and back. And what I've seen across the board with anyone, all ages that engage in these planes of movement is it creates awareness, one, for how they're currently moving, what's familiar and comfortable to them, and what takes them out of their comfort zone. And then from there, people have these epiphanies pretty early on, right? Someone will come in. I I had a client come in and say, you know, I really want to connect to people. I have a very hard time relating or creating meaningful relationships. And so as we do this assessment, there is this congruence that in the body, it's very difficult to engage in these horizontal movements, which happen to correlate to how we relate to other people. So Mm -hmm. rather than throwing her into, you know, open your arms and, you know, embrace the world type situation, really becoming aware of how open I am currently, 
what is my movement pattern like right now? So I remember asking her, you know, to engage in that closed position. She wrapped her arms gently, you know, tightly, but gently around her body, asking her to reference or resource what that feels like and words like safety, security, stability, protection, and then gently asking her to attempt to open those arms out. And, you know, her arms weren't really able to go beyond shoulder width. Her eye gaze was down. Her chin was not lifted. And now physically, she could have opened her arms completely, right? There was nothing physically limiting her movements. But when we're really aware and present to our mental health and the metaphors behind the movement, it changes our movement completely. And we start to actually tap into our authenticity and how our body is wired. So again, within a session or two, it was very easy to see how her body was keeping her protected and disconnected from the people she was actually looking to connect to. So then we can start to look at, you know, how do we expand upon this movement? How do we honor where we are, really connect to ourselves so that we can build trust and safety in the body to then explore relationships outside of ourselves? No, it's so powerful. And and it all starts with that awareness as you're you're talking about that as we, we become aware of the physical movements that we are doing that are tied to our current mental state, mm-hmm. all of a sudden uh, there's hope. There's this recognition that there are things that I can change that will help me to change the way I'm experiencing life. And yeah. and actually, I, I heard uh, underlying as you were talking about that story with your client, uh, you using some of the words with, with, I know the framework that you, you emphasize as you work with clients, it's this ACE framework. Uh, mm-hmm. And so why don't, why don't you uh, take a few minutes and explain that, you know, here of, of what that stands for and how, you know, anyone, whether they're m- working with a dance movement therapist or just on their own, how they can use this, this framework to help them to tap into their, their mind body connection. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I was looking over, you know, kind of prepped beforehand. I saw that question and I was like, yeah, I guess it is the framework. I hadn't really ever thought of it that way. Um, And ironically, it was something that almost didn't get put into my book. Um, It was something I started to use with my clients or I think it might have even kind of started as an Instagram post, you know, an easy uh, acronym to get people connecting their mind and body into realizing how their movement correlated to their mental health and vice versa. And I remember just the kind of last minute, can I add this in here? You know, is it's going to change the word count? What do we do? Um, and so I guess, yeah, it has become something that I share often. Um, the ACE stands for awareness, challenge, also curiosity starts with a C and the E is expand. So when we talk about acing our mental health, again, you don't have to be a dance therapist or a somatic practitioner to do this. It's available to everyone. We want to become aware of how our body is presenting when we are in moments of overwhelm, right? Or when when, when we're in those moments that we're feeling like something needs to change, right? Maybe it's a uh, an argument with a spouse over and over again, right? Maybe it's um, the way we relate to a family member or how we show up at the office, you know, any way that we're feeling like something's just not working and we want to make a change, it starts with that piece of awareness. And so not just saying, oh, I'm aware that I'm doing this or I'm thinking that, we literally want to look at how our body is showing up in that way. 
Because when we change the thought or the, the behavior, if we're not changing the movement, it will just continue to happen, right? Even if we work on it for months or so, if we're not repatterning the body, we will quickly revert back to that normal. So the awareness, how am I showing up when I'm in this argument? How am I showing up when I'm dissociating? How am I showing up when I'm skirting responsibility, right? Or afraid to speak my mind. Then we want to challenge the way the body is showing up. You know, so as an example, if my body is feeling very tight and rigid, I don't necessarily want to just, you know, oh, shake it out and everything's loose and I'm good to go because that might not be possible or it could be very jarring to our nervous system. So we want to start to challenge the way the body is showing up. So if I'm very tight and tense, is there one area of my body that I can shift ever so slightly? You know, if my shoulders are kind of hunched, is there a way that I can just, you know, gently lift my chin, right? Can I look up and find something to make eye contact with or notice in my environment? That's a very simple but powerful directive. And that leads to the next step, which is this expansion or expression of the movement. So again, with that example, now I'm looking up, my chin is is lifted, right? What's possible from there? I might notice that I can straighten just a little bit in my spine. Maybe I can relax my shoulders. Or maybe at this point, I need a little bit of self-massage. Maybe I need to you know, circle my shoulders or shake them out. Anything to just express what I'm currently feeling in my body, which can be that tension, right? Or that, that disconnect. Um, I've found it for myself to be a game changer. And it's really helped not just clients, but again, individuals that just hear it for the first time. They're like, oh, I, I can practice that. That seems maybe not easy, but it's an easy directive, right? It's a, it's a, it's an easier place to start, right? Than the thought of starting a heavy exercise regimen or, you know, completely shifting my mindset, which is really difficult. Thanks for listening to this part one of my interview with Erica Hornthal. As always, we invite you to subscribe so as not to miss when part two gets published later this week, as well as to leave a review. Also, ever since Ashley and I decided it was time for us to lead Be Whole, Do Good together with the increased focus of strengthening families, we've been hitting the whiteboard and brainstorming. We're in the midst of creating a number of ways to support you and your family, including an emphasis on helping your family develop strong emotional regulation skills, which we see as being an important need right now. If that sounds of interest to you, head on over to BeholdDoGood.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter at the bottom of our homepage so you can be kept up to date as those support offerings are launched in the coming weeks. We hope you have a wonderful day.